0: Well, what is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Hump Day Hotline on the Buffalo Rumblings Multicast Network, brought to you by the Market Dominator. I'm the host of the Hump Day Hotline, here with my good friend, not Jay Spence the King, but Joe Mar- the Joe Marino. <laughs> Joe, how you doing tonight?
1: I'm good, Joe. Glad to be on with you, man. Uh, always love talking with you, so this should be fun.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you being on for everybody that's in the comment section right now. And those of you that are going to be joining us live. And for those of you that are going to listen to, to this in podcast form tomorrow, uh, Jay Spence has uh, got he's got plans this evening, could make it to the show. And uh, Joe Marino was extremely awesome to just step in and, uh, and and fill those gigantic shoes that are Jay Spence, the king. Uh, it was funny because he told me yesterday that uh, he wasn't going to be able to make the show. And I needed to probably you know look for somebody. And I was like, man, I hate doing the show without you. But I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. Like, this is kind of cool having you on the show. So I'm excited for what we're going to talk about. I hope you're excited too. Yes?
1: Of course, man. You know, um, like I said, I like talking to you. You know, I'll stay up late (laughs) and talk Bills football with Joe Miller anytime.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. I'm normally in bed around, if it's not a show night, like 10. Are you an early? For
1: sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Are you kidding me, brother? I'm into the farmer's hours. My day starts. (laughs) I'm I'm at my desk by 530 a.m. I'm i up probably be by 515. So I'm up
0: at 5 30. I'm on the road yeah. at 6 15 to head to the gym typically as far as in the morning. So I go to STA performance, which is uh Ben Woods gym in Elma, that doesn't mean anything probably to you, but for the people in Buffalo. A lot of Bills players work out there in the off season. A lot of Bills players' kids work out there. Uh Ben Woods is a really good friend of mine. He's awesome. So yeah, a little plug for Ben there. But I got to do the read. So uh before we get started here on the hump day hotline on Wednesday, everybody jump on that like uh you are listening to and watching the hump day hotline as i said on the buffalo (laughs) rumblings multicast network brought to you by the market dominator who is the market dominator well the market dominator is my friend john spascheck john is a real estate broker with keller williams joe did you know that keller williams is the largest real estate brokerage in the world i do now you do now you would think that it's century 21 right hunt something like that it's actually keller williams uh and john is consistently ranked uh, in the top five, like three to five every single month, John is part of the Million Dollar Club every single month. Like the dude just crushes it. His team is the best team. If you're looking to buy or sell a home, not only in Western New York, but anywhere around the country, John and his team can help you. You can reach John uh, at 716-570-3298. That number is actually right here below me. 716-570-3298. The good thing about John is he will answer his phone. You can also reach him on his email, yourelitebroker at gmail.com. He's also Bill's Mafia. You can find him on Twitter at yourelitebroker. Now what we're going to do is we're going to let everybody know where they can find you, our special guest for the night, Joe Marino. So, Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself and where they can find you and what you do.
1: Thanks, Joe. I'm Joe Marino. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Joe Marino, host of the Lockdown Bills podcast daily podcast on the buffalo bills so um that's that's what i do draft dudes as well uh, yep. my other podcast daily on all things football Of course the draftnetwork.com is where you can find the written stuff
0: very cool and it's it's funny cuz uh, you were in town and i said this to your wife uh and when we were eating uh, lunch at barbill i said it's really weird sometimes when i'm doing my own homework research for the shows and i'm like and i'm like going through whatever it is a scouting report or something on a player and then i get to the bottom and it says jay marino <laughs> i'm just like well that's awkward <laughs>
1: <laughs> here i am <laughs> a lot of football takes out there man a lot of good ones some that i missed you know i don't get it all right so that's right but do uh, you,
0: you do a great job and we're really good friends and i appreciate your friendship and i appreciate just the you speak into my show and and give me advice from time to time and uh i'm a listener and you're a listener and it's just really really great to have you so this is where we're going to start because we have things to talk about uh and a lot of cool things i want to start here the buffalo bills are the number one scoring offense at 34.4 points per game. They're the number one scoring defense at 12.8 points per game. And they're plus 15 in turnover uh, differential. This was from Trey Wingo today, which Trey Wingo never tweets positive about the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) That's the first time that a team has led in all three of those categories post week five or later since 1970.
1: First reaction
0: when when you hear that.
1: My initial reaction to that is... I'm a little surprised because the Bills have not been a good red zone offense. They're only scoring a touchdown 58.3% of the time. That's 24th in the NFL. They're in the bottom 25% of the NFL when it comes to converting red zone trips to touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But they're still the number one scoring team in the NFL. One thing I preached on Lockdown Bills this week is that there's a lot of meat left on the bone for this offense mm-hmm. and, and they can get a lot better and that's okay. You don't have to be playing your best football In week five, that's not the goal. You Mm -hmm. want to be playing your best football later in the season, October, well, November, December, especially January. And so for as exciting as those numbers are, I look at the sustainability and the likelihood that that can continue. And when I look at things like the Bills, not necessarily, not necessarily, they're just not. They're not a good red zone offense right now. So That gives me a lot of hope that the scoring can continue and potentially get even better.
0: Right. What's amazing to me is, and I agree, I concur, and I believe it was with you, and I believe it was with, with Micah Hyde who said it in his post-game presser, I don't think we've still seen the best football from this team yet. Nope. And nope. that's scary. So is it a, is it a situation where the rest of the NFL is behind, or is it a situation where the Bills, even though they're beating themselves at times, like literally have headroom as we like to call it in the sound world right we've they've got headwork they've got room to push like which is it is it the nfl is not as good this year as maybe they were last year or is it the bills are just better than everybody else
1: at the risk of sounding like a complete homer the bills have a very special football operation mm. and there's really outstanding leadership from brandon bean to sean mcdermott to these football players right and I mean, I was thinking this week about the team, obviously. I think about the team all day long, all right? Look at this offseason that they had. Mm-hmm. They didn't really have a lot to work with. There wasn't a lot of cap space. There wasn't, you know, a surplus of draft picks. But they were able to get Emmanuel Sanders, who I think we can all agree has been a major, major addition. Yeah, yeah. Greg Russo, Boogie Basham, Spencer Brown. Mm-hmm. You found... Answers at critical positions with Four. limited resources. For big time answers. Yeah. Not to mention the extensions that you got done that heck, I didn't think they'd be able to pull off but they did. So you Not have much. a really, really, really good general manager. Yeah. And you have an outstanding leader in Sean McDermott that everybody raves about, right? And and I saw something today, I think it was um in an article, a quote from Lorenzo Alexander about how a lot of coaches look to be served right you you're the coach you know you need to be doing things for me not sean mcdermott no if he needs a a a bag or a tackling dummy in practice he goes and gets it if he's in the locker room and there's a towel on the floor he picks it up right and that stuff matters dude like that is very important stuff and so you have a great general manager that knows how to get talent you have a legit leader of men and sean mcdermott that's created and fostered an environment of culture where everybody loves each other and they want to be the best version of themselves for each other.
0: Right, right.
1: And then you have talented football players. Brother,
0: Who are humble. Who are humble you know, and lot have lot great...
1: stuff. Day. Yeah, a humble. lot of stuff working together here. So when we talk about where this team's at, I mean, we're talking about what? Is this year five or five from
0: Five eight? for McDermott. Five for yeah. McDermott.
1: I mean, this is the fruit, right? This is it. This is the product. This is what they've been working for. Towards. I mean, I remember back listening to McDermott 2017-2018. And he's talking about the plan and the vision and the process and, mm. and how where they see themselves at different stages. And I just think this is what it looks like when you stay committed to a course and obviously you make great decisions along the way. This is what he envisioned it being. Yeah. And so that's what I think it's about, right? I didn't really get into X's and O's or scheme or anything like that. It's about those things. That's why the Bills are the team that they are. And why we're so optimistic about them moving forward.
0: Yeah, I think what's interesting about everything that you just said is the first thing that comes to my head is like culture matters. Even yeah. though there's people that would tell you that culture is not a real thing. Culture matters uh, and culture each strategy for breakfast. That's a fun saying that's in a lot of books that I've read. And I for those of you that don't know me well, like I read. I mean, I'm in leadership and I love servant leadership and I read a lot of leadership books and Sean McDermott is a servant leader. And that doesn't mean that I go do the work for people that are for people. That's not what that means. It means something completely different. Uh, But that whole phrase and and Spence and I talk about it all the time, just the whole, you know, I'm just trying to be the best version of myself. It's funny because that's caught on to other teams. So other teams are hearing the Bills players who have chirped it for three or four years. So the other players are now hearing it and they're saying it, even though they don't necessarily know maybe what it means. Um, And just for backstory on that phrase, being the best version of myself, if you're a servant leader, which Sean McDermott is, and I believe Brandon Bean probably follows a lot of those principles as well. What I tell my people, I know for a fact, because I've read a lot of the same books that he has just by the stuff that Sean McDermott has said. I tell my people, look, so if you're one of my one of the people that I'm leading, Joe, I say, look, Joe, I want to develop you in such a way that whatever your dreams are, I want to help you reach them and achieve them not so that you can help my organization, but basically when you leave me, I wanna make sure that you know you're better and better equipped for whatever's next. It has nothing, yes, I want you here and you're a part of this team, but the most important thing to me is that you're the best version of yourself so that wherever this journey takes you, you take it with you and you're better then than you are now. And the players are just buying into it. Like it's, they see it. I think they see it on the field. I think they feel it, right? It resonates with them, which is always odd to me because processed juice, John, John Fina in the room and Spence is in the room too. I did not reference the processed juice, but that's effectively what we're talking about right now. The thing that always gets me though, when it comes to this, because the hardest thing I'll ever do in my life forever and in the past has been firing people like letting people go is that even, and I don't know every time we get to cut down day. And every time we get to those moments, it's always weird for me just to, because there's guys on this team that have bought into the process. There's guys on this team that have bought into them as leaders. There's guys into this on this team that have just bought into the whole entire system. And then you can't keep them all. And at some point, every one of them probably save Josh Allen are going to be told it's time to go.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's hard. Two things come to mind. Um, I think one of the best examples of what we're talking about is considering the players that have left and went into other situations and how they're just not the same. I mean, Andre Roberts, right? Right. Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips. uh, Thinking about players that departed, I know that Wyatt Teller is always going to be the poster boy, but I think he needed the change, and good for him. It's worked out, but he's probably the exception. And the other thing there, Joe, I want to push back on is – You've never fired somebody where it gave you enjoyment. Come on, like there's had to have be at least be a couple people that absolutely <laughs> deserved it. And, and uh, I, I, I did a lot of business management before I started doing this football thing full time. And there were it was never easy, but there were some people where I'm like, you know what, you got to go. And I yeah. just knew it was the right decision, and so it was not.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 it's more about the type of work that I'm in, the type of work sure, that I'm in, sure. yeah. in, in ministry, when I when So when you go to work, regardless of the nine to five job or three to 12 job or midnight to 8am job that you have, you know, your boss, your boss knows you in my line of work. I know the employee, yeah. I know the employee's spouse, I know the employee's kids, sometimes their parents. So for me, when I let somebody go, I'm firing their whole family. Like literally I'm firing the entire family and it's hard. It's not easy and it's not enviable. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to put that burden on anybody. It's just one of those things, but we can can move on from that. It's just amazing to me to think that this team still has room to grow. Clearly the defense is playing lights out. The defense is playing outside their mind, outside of what's from the eyes, from the eye view, from the perspective of what we see, Outside of what I would say is the defensive line. And I think that is smoke and mirrors. And what I'm, what, where I'm leading on this is that defensive line is rotating. They're playing incredible. Greg Rousseau is playing unbelievable for a project player. You know, we expected Greg Rousseau to be the second coming of Josh Allen. And what I mean by that is, two th- you know, this year would be his 2018, where he really wasn't doing much, but running around with his arms flailing in the air, right? And meanwhile, he's he's an impact player on the field. Smoke and mirrors for me that these guys, I think it's part of the game plan that they're not getting after any of these quarterbacks on purpose. They're not trying to run them out of the pocket. They're just basically trying to pressure, right? Lean in and pressure and not necessarily allow them escape routes. Now, Mahomes escaped a couple times. However, it worked flawlessly against Davis Mills. It worked well against Jacoby Brissett. It worked very, very well against uh, Tr- Taylor Heineke. Do you have thoughts on that, real quick? Oh yeah, move on. Yeah, go. Oh yeah, give, give yeah. Me.
1: yeah. it's something I've really been hot about. Is you have to stay in your pass rush lanes. You have to have a contained rush. The worst thing you can do is is uh, sell out to go after the quarterback and get too loopy with your rush if you're an edge rusher, or go inside when there's no secondary contain option for you. And so, I, I think that's something that's hurt the Bills in the past, particularly when Trent mm. Murphy was on the field, where he just Did not understand his pass rush lanes. He went inside. He got too far up the field, was too loopy, and um, it it, it hurts the football team. And so I have really gravitated towards, you know, especially in my scouting efforts, and I examine these college football players and project them to the NFL. I'm starting more and more and more to value pass rushers that know how to reduce pass rush angles as opposed to needing to win with speed and quickness and bend around the outside edge track. Because when that's your bread and butter, when you're, when your only way to get home is to run a circle around an offensive tackle, it's going to be tough for you. And you're going to create those opportunities for opposing quarterbacks to very easily get outside the pocket, extend plays and either run or, or find somebody to throw the football to. So when you have length and you have power and heavy hands and that ability to really convert speed to power and, and reduce the path, reduce the track that it takes to get to the quarterback, that's what's valuable, especially in today's NFL, where quarterbacks are getting the, the ball out of their hands so quickly. You know, this isn't, this isn't your typical classic drop-back passing, five, seven-step drops all the time, where you have that time to run that circle around an right. offensive tackle. You right. have to be able to reduce that and get there quicker. And if you can't get there, you have to have the presence of mind to get your hands up and affect those throwing lanes. And you saw Gregory, Gregory Rousseau do everything I'm literally talking about right now as a big reason why the Bills were able to beat the Chiefs. And so, yes, I am dialed in bigly in a big way on this reducing pass rush angles and having those types of players, man. I think it's critical.
0: Bigly. I love that. Um, what's interesting, and I want to come back to this question because I think it's relevant to the Titans game. So when we get to the yep. Titans, uh, because the Bills allowed Tannehill to escape, they over-pursued particularly Jerry Hughes cutting underneath and to the inside and did not contain his edge yep. last year. And Tannehill was, he ran like crazy. So I'm going to come back to that question or come back to that, that, that kind of uh, conversation. But Troy has a, a question for us. And before I read this, just so everybody knows we are super chat live. Uh, if you want to get my attention, Joe Marino's attention, or ask Joe a question, the best thing you can do is super chat. We're not ignoring you. We're having a conversation uh, and the comments go very fast. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not the best at talking and driving, if that makes any sense. Like, it's hard to watch both at the same time, especially when I'm engaged, right, with the person I'm talking to. So Troy says, what is the main difference you were seeing in the improvement of the defense? Is it the pass rush? Is it star? Is it healthiness? Is it simply a combination of all of them, all of the above? Yes, that's my answer. What's your answer? Yeah,
1: It is all of the above. Um, man, it's it feels like such a simple answer, but – They have the rotation up front figured out. Their linebackers are healthy. You know, you have a a back seven that's played together, all of them since 2018, most of them since 2017. I mean, and and they're just healthy. I mean, just think about last year, the the Tennessee game. Bills didn't have Trey White in that game, right? I mean, Levi Wallace and Josh Norman last year were banged up, you know, at different times.
0: That game game is an outlier to me. There was – what the, what the NFL did to the Buffalo Bills, and I've talked about it a lot, as far as like, oh, you're going to play the Chiefs. Actually, it started with if the Titans have one more COVID-positive yeah. case, they're not playing this football game. They had one more. And then it was like, well, you're going to play the Chiefs first, then you're going to play the Titans. And the way they game plan, like that that screws the coaches. Then it was like, oh, no, no, you are going to play the Titans, and then you're going to play the Chiefs. And when they got to Tennessee, you could tell half the, half the players on that football team did right. not want to be there. They were like, let's just get on the bus and go home because – you got 26 COVID cases in your franchise. And back then we were scared. There was a lot of fear yeah. around this thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but.
1: No, you're that- good. I, and especially because these guys, especially somebody like Coach McDermott in, in the, the team that he's built, they're creatures of habit. And they can handle primetime games and all that type of stuff. But when you get that out of whack with your schedule where you're playing on a Tuesday afternoon, come on. I mean, that, that, that was absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the, the point being that, like, I just wanted to say that Trey White didn't play in that game. So it, it yeah. wasn't just Milano and Edmonds, right? It was guys in the secondary. And and I think I think this is an underrated talking point when we reflect on the defense last year, playing from that vantage point of, you know, in 2018 and 2019, they were top three both years in defense, and they were why the Bills had any success. Yep. And now you have a situation hmm. where you can score points on offense, and other teams that you're playing against have a lot more urgency to score against you. It's just a different vantage point. You have to you have to get a little bit more comfortable with what you have to concede a little bit and just kind of play the next play. And I think adjusting to that was something that played into the dynamics of last year when they finished Number 14 in total
0: defense. Yeah, one of the questions we're going to try not transition. I just I'm going to switch to the the banners here. Or That's actually not how that's supposed to read. Hang on a second. I'm going to get that to scroll. Um, One of the things that I asked Jay Spence last week and I talked about it uh, with him was what does the outcome of the Chiefs game have to be for you to feel good about that football game? Because for me, it could have it could have been totally different. The Bills could have won that game 13 to 12, and I don't know that I would have been happy about the win. They could have lost that game 42 to 40 and I could have been elated. Like like no no we've closed the gap. Like 42 to 40 our offense played with them, our defense, you know, probably didn't do well but it's Mahomes. Looking at it now, I mean obviously 38 to freaking 20. I mean the Bills drubbed them. I mean the Bills had them confused and we'll talk about why here in a second. It was incredible what happened in that football game. The turnovers were big, four turnovers, obviously the pick 6 was big. How do you, how does that how does that W leave you at this point in time post game?
1: Leaves me in a good place, Joe. Um, especially because we had we had that talking point kind of hanging over where the Bills were entering that game. That oh wow you you haven't played anybody, and mm-hmm. I mean potentially you can add the Chiefs to the list of you haven't played anybody. They're in last place in two and three. Right. Right, so The Bills still haven't beaten a team with a winning record, Uh, but we all know what the chiefs are and what, you know, especially what they are on offense. And to me, legitimatizing, is that a word? I don't know.
0: Uh, (laughs) Legitimizes, (laughs) legitimizes,
1: (laughs) legitimizes the defense, right? Where you, you really did a great job against Kansas city, holding that held them to 20 points. I mean, their season average was 33 and a half. They were two of five in the red zone. They were 80% entering the game, held them to five of 13 on third and fourth downs. They were 64% entering the game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had 272 passing, excuse excuse me, 272 passing yards on 54 attempts. Yeah. Without Milano, they scored two touchdowns in 11 drives. Before that, there were 17 touchdowns on 33 drives for the season. That's over 50%. Yeah. And so to me, what is the word legitimizing
0: legitimizes legitimizes
1: Legitimizes. (laughs) yeah to me the way that they went on the road to Kansas City and did what they did that legitimizes the defense that we watched the first (laughs) few weeks of the season and then I love the big plays on offense it was not a methodical game for the Bills offense at all but they were able to hit big big plays and I, I like that I think that shows another way that you can win and play the game and, and be successful.
0: I was, I was not flabbergasted. I don't know what the word, I was, I was wide eyed because Josh Allen was hitting all these deep balls yeah. and his launch trajectory was not rainbows. He was throwing bullets. He was throwing darts at Emmanuel Sanders. The ball he threw to Stefan Diggs was a rainbow. So yeah. that ball, and obviously Stefan Diggs was slowing up because he thought he was going to get hit and he didn't, he could have streaked to the end zone and scored on that play. I think the bill scored on it anyway. It didn't really matter. But when you stack all that stuff up, you know, he was seven completions for 210 yards or 219 yards. He had 21 yards or 31 yards per completion, which is an NFL record. What I said earlier about the first team since 1970 at first, first and first. And then the Buffalo Bills have led at halftime for 14 consecutive regular season games. I don't understand for the life of me how this team is ranked anything but number one in the NFL and power rankings. Like, I just don't know who do you think is better. Then every, the resume, it's about a resume, right? Isn't it about the resume? And the resume for the Buffalo Bills going back to last year after the Cardinals game specifically sells you that this team is scary good. Like, whoa, this team is potentially one of the best teams in NFL history. If they can get it all lined up and put together.
1: Yeah, stay healthy and and keep proving it week after week. Embrace that mindset that Coach McDermott preaches, humble and hungry, and and just take it one week at a time and yeah there's no team this team can't beat so yeah. you gotta go do it right we know that but you
0: gotta you got play the games yeah. that's right last week Tremaine Edmonds was the AFC player of the week this week Buffalo Bills defensive end Greg Rousseau AFC defensive player of the week this kid is just Jay Spence talked about it last night on the code of conduct like we were both we talked about it on our show at a postgame show with Fina and Fina was like, it's funny. John Fina is just awesome. And he's in the chat. And Spence and I were like, that's where you went? Like, really, Greg Russo? Because like, we had perceived needs, running back, cornerback, whatever. And you understand the game. You understand what you're trying to do. The Bills are trying to catch the Chiefs. How do you catch the Chiefs? We need pass rush. We need guys that can get home. However, you're picking a guy that's a flash in the pan in 2019. You know, I'm thinking Aaron Maben. He sat out as, you know, because we've been down that road, right? Aaron Maben had that ridiculous year. We drafted him. Gigantic bust. Not as big of a bust as Mike Williams, but a gigantic bust. And then he comes in, and and we're all thinking project. Boogie Basham's the guy that's going to start. You know, and then Fina says, who says he's a project? Why? Just because somebody else says he's a project means he's a project? And here we are, we're sitting here watching this kid play football, and he's affecting the football game. He's affecting offenses. They ran that flat, that that pass to the flat and they chopped him. I don't know how many times it was two, three, four times. And he knew it was coming when he tipped that ball and intercepted it. Like he knew it was coming because they'd run it on him so many times. Because that's the only thing the Bills were giving him. I don't. I don't know if anybody paid attention to that, but they were running that play to the flat on both sides, of the right and the left, over and over and over again. Especially in that under three minute, uh, that th- under three minute drive in the third to fourth quarter where they scored. This kid is just playing well. Like it's hard to believe how good he's playing. It's what is the ceiling for this kid?
1: <laughs> right. Ceiling's high, and, and I think that that was the appeal. If you if you go back, I mean, and I can. This is very relevant for me thinking about the the scouting journey, if you will, with Greg Rousseau. And, you know, I'm responsible for the ACC for the draft network. So I've been dialed in on Rousseau for a while. Right. After you watched his tape in 2019, everybody thought this was a top 10 pick. The problem is he didn't play in 2020. Right. Right. And so when you consider that he was like a wide receiver safety in high school, came to Miami, only has one year at the position. Crazy. You know, you you. It's good process, Joe, to think that maybe Greg Rousseau wouldn't be a factor in year one. Right. Now, credit to him, right? He's obviously put in the work. Credit to the Bills coaching staff for getting him ready and, and allowing him to realize his potential very, very early. But it is sound process to have that take, right? Like, I understand that you don't just say he's a project and and that is the end-all be-all. But, like, the process to getting to that take is sound. Mm-hmm. The credit goes to Greg Rousseau mm-hmm. for accelerating the curve and the Bills coaching staff for having them ready to go.
0: Yeah, it's it's just unbelievable to me. And, and before I jump to Tremaine Edmonds, I, I don't know what it is. The Bills haven't had a good 96 since Leon Seals. And every time I see Boogie Basham flash on the field, I'm like my brain immediately because I'm old. Sees Leon Seals. Do you? Am I the only one that suffers from this? Because there has not oh, been a good 96 on this football team since Dr. Sack.
1: I have players, I have numbers like that for me where I still see them and I, and I associate it with a certain player. I don't know that it's 96 for me. <laughs> <laughs> but there are certain positions and numbers where, I mean, I'll see the number and I'll revert back to the player that I associate with it. And I know who it is, but I still call them, you know, if it's 11 or something, I might say they're Roscoe Parrish. You know, right, like, right, 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 right. Like, so, I know you're not Roscoe, but I, it's what I associate it
0: with. Micah so. Hyde, when I see 23, Marshawn Lynch. Anybody in the chat, anybody in the comments section right now, if there's a number that you see on this current Bills team, when you see their number, another player flashes for you. And don't cherry pick Fred Jackson, right? <laughs> Like we all know 22, 22 is Fred, yeah, but if there's somebody that you, if there's a number that you see that makes you flash back to somebody else. So Micah Hyde does that for me with Lynch, but literally 96, what was the last time there was a good 96 on this football team?
1: Drawing blanks, man.
0: Right. It's gotta Indiana be.
1: Two, what number was he?
0: <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, two. Anytime
1: you could drop a random name like that, you got to do right, it. Right. You know?
0: Right. But of, uh, of all the players that are a topic of conversation for this football team, Tremaine Edmonds. And I don't know where the line is for me on, I had somebody texting me yesterday and asking me about um, my thoughts and opinions and their, dis, not disdain, their, uh, they just weren't overly happy with Levi Wallace and his play, even from this game Sunday. Hmm. And I responded with, I thought Levi played well. And then I, and then I followed it up with, but I think that's because I believe that Levi's doing what he's being asked to do. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've I've, let go of the Levi is supposed to be here to be, you know, Jalen Ramsey and attack the football and try to make interceptions and disrupt pass plays. Like I've let go of the, you know, that he's supposed to be a disruptor. He's not, he's the guy that's supposed to defend that dude in front of him. And when he catches the ball, I tackle him. That's what I do. I thought he played okay Sunday based on that, even though somebody else told me he didn't. I'm going somewhere with this. Where I'm going is, we all want Tremaine Edmonds to be, or there's a, not all of us, we all obviously would love it. There's a faction of people that will not be satisfied unless Tremaine Edmonds is Brian Urlacher, Ray Lewis, right? Mm. Luke Keekley I don't know that he's being asked to be that guy.
1: Um, He's got a lot on his plate, I'll say that. you know, Being the middle linebacker for this defense is no small task, especially with what he does in coverage. What I'll say about Tremaine Edmonds, and and he's definitely a, a player that within Bills Mafia, there's a lot of wide ranging opinions. This is where I'm at with Tremaine. He means a lot to the Buffalo Bills. Yes, a lot. And so if you're going to measure him against, I mean, you you name some Hall of Fame type players, but even you know modern day stars like a Bobby Wagner or a Fred Warner or a Darius Leonard, if you're going to stack up Tremaine to those players, it's not going to It's not going to go well for Tremaine. Right. But if you consider the role that he plays for the Buffalo Bills defense, it's very meaningful. And he's been the quarterback of this defense since he walked, you know, into the, into the facility. Yeah. Defense was number two in 2018, number three in 2019, number 14 in 2020 and historically good so far this year. Yes. He's the quarterback. If you guys remember, they did a, Sean McDermott post game, you know, locker room speech or something. And uh, it was a game recently where Tremaine really didn't even play in the second half. And, and everybody was like, Oh, Milano was great. Tyron Johnson was great. They gave the game ball to Tremaine Edmonds. And Sean McDermott was asked about that. And he said, Well, why'd you give it to Tremaine? He goes, He's the leader of our defense. Right. So if you like this defense, you need to understand that the leader of it in the eyes of Sean McDermott is Tremaine Edmonds. And maybe there's times where, you wish he got downhill a little quicker, or he right. shed a block a little quicker. Wait, wait, so, wait!
0: But is that true? Because he had that one gap run against Edward Delaire and oh, crushed yeah. him.
1: Yeah, he he has so many of those high level moments. I do think that there are moments where you're like, "Go play, get there, get there quicker, get to that landmark quicker." I will say that NFL linebackers are taught slow till you know, like you don't commit right. until you know where the ball's gone. Right. But um, I think you have got to talk about him and his coverage ability and. It's not necessarily the plays that he makes in coverage, which he does, right? He gets his hands on footballs and things like that, but it's the throws that he takes away just because he's on the field. 6'5, 240 pounds, 35 inch arms. That's a lot to work the football around. Yeah. Like he changes the way quarterbacks look at the defense because of the amount of space and real estate that he can affect, right? Like there are things that are hard to measure. And so whether it's the leadership, You know, him being a captain, the way the NFL views Tremaine Edmonds, he's a valuable player to this team. And I think we have to measure him appropriately because his value is immensely high to this Buffalo Bills football team. You're
0: you're seeing the difference, in my opinion, between uh, Tremaine Edmonds clean and Tremaine Edmonds trying to affect the passer between 20 and 21. Like... He is literally having more of an effect this year because he's in those lanes because Star is back and this defensive line is being effective versus 2020 when they were abysmal and he had to be up in the fray. Like, you're seeing the difference. Real quick, uh, the Spud 1129. yes, he does, but isn't he suited better for the outside? I just want to address this. Yeah. There is no outside linebacker on the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills do not play a traditional 4-3. There's no – I'm going to say it again, and then Joe can say it after me. There's no outside linebacker on the Buffalo Bills. Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds do basically the same thing. One just calls the defense, and the other one gets a roam free. Agree?
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. You have a middle linebacker, and you have a weak side linebacker, a pursuit-style player. So, yeah, they don't have a true Sam. They don't have a true, like, end man on the line of scrimmage, walk-em-down type player. They don't do that. Right. I had a – so – um I had a conversation with the NFL scout about Tremaine Edmonds after the Bills picked him. And I said, what'd you think of Tremaine? We were just talking about different players that we evaluated and bouncing, you know, thoughts. And I said, what did you think about Tremaine Edmonds? He said, we loved him. Hmm. We didn't pick him because he had a growth spurt at age like 18 years old. And we didn't know what he was going to be. Like if he was just going to be so big (laughs) that we'd have to play him at a different position. And then you get into projections and, he wasn't a particularly good rusher when he had opportunities to do it in college. And so you start to say, all right, this guy's going to play defensive end. Well, he doesn't really look natural in that spot and it, you know, it really changes his his trajectory as a prospect. And so that, that's what pushed him down a little bit, but um, yeah, we, I don't, I think we have to recognize his value a lot better as a fan base because the bills love him. The NFL loves him. There's a lot of respect for what he is other than
0: pff other than pff they do not love yeah
1: pff's (laughs) tough on linebackers man they they really really are um and so
0: well they're tough on linebackers and buffalo bills players i think i think if, if we're asking tremaine edmonds to be something that the bills are not asking him to be that's where it gets a little bit difficult and he said it in his post game presser they i don't remember what the question was but he referred to and inferred about everybody be everybody being in position everybody knowing their assignments everybody being where they're supposed to be to cover shifts and different motions that's his job that's what he's there for he's there to make sure that everybody where they're supposed to be i love this question for matthew montgomery if you had a player count for edmund ceiling who would it be And i'm going to ask you this question because i have no idea
1: i remember whenever i i scouted him and i gave him a player comparison i think i put down anthony barr hmm. Minnesota Vikings uh, that's a good player <laughs> yeah I, I mean that was before I knew he played for the Bills right and so now I have a much cleaner perspective of him yeah he's just a unique guy man like there's just not a lot of players like him maybe man I don't want to say Brian Urlacher, but like in terms of a size athleticism comparison it's kind of what you get you know I, I Erlacher was a first ballot Hall of Famer, I would argue he didn't deserve that. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Erlacher's overrated. He's a good player. He's not a first ballot. He's a Hall of Fame player. He's not a first ballot Hall of Fame player.
0: Okay. I, I, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lose an argument. <laughs> I was always impressed by his play and his size and what he did at his size because he was six foot five and playing middle linebacker when nobody was six foot five playing middle linebacker.
1: Nobody else, I and mean, he it's him and Tremaine. Like who who else are these six five linebackers that we're talking True. about, right? True. Like unicorns, man.
0: Yeah, it, it, indeed. Uh before we transition to anything else to say on Tremaine? He's a good player. He's a good player. Uh before we transition to the Titans game, which we are going to do. Um the Buffalo Bills, and there there was uh and I've got to pulled up here. Where's it at? So the Buffalo Bills. Da, 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 I gotta find it. Uh, there was a, a there was an article that was written today, I believe, and it came out on Twitter from Ali Connolly. I don't. Did you see that article at all?
1: I saw it. I haven't read it.
0: It's phenomenal. It's a lot of X's and O's. It's a lot of like detailed stuff. He gets into what the Buffalo Bills have done and have been doing so far this season, and what has made them so good. That question scrolling up across the bottom of the screen. He really gets into what the Bills have done, what Brian Dable has done to basically give Allen the the benefit of winning uh, as far as in his matchups, reading the defenses faster, speeding up the process for him. You know, and we listen to Bruce Nolan. We're all fans of Bruce Nolan. And we listen to him talk about the difference between Mitchell Tabriskie, Josh Allen, Jared Goff, Josh Allen, and some of these other guys, these young quarterbacks where the Bills are asking Josh Allen to do a lot better bigger things than maybe what the other quarterbacks are being asked to do, because Josh Allen has the mental capacity to process and do those things. One of those things is is particularly in 10 and 11 packages. You know, the way that they're identifying or what they're doing, they're spreading teams out to identify man versus zone coverage. Uh, And what they do is they wait to see the defense give a key, which is a guy come up, which then signals man versus zone. So if the guy comes up, he knows he's in man. And then he gets to make his reads from there. If the guy doesn't, he knows he's in zone and he gets to make his reads from there. My question is, is why aren't other head coaches? And I don't think it's weapons. I don't think it's a situation. Well, look at the bill's weapons. I don't think it's a situation of weapons. Why are the, why, what is it about Josh Allen that's different? And as much as this is a conversation, this is a question I wanted to ask you. Why is Josh Allen different in his development versus Trubisky, Jared Goff? Baker Mayfield, pick pick some of these guys in what they see and what they're giving Josh Allen versus what they're giving some of these other quarterbacks.
1: Probably a lot of the stuff we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation about the environment and the culture and, and, and those types of things where you have just the right environment for him to be the best version of himself. And so I think, and I talked to Jordan Palmer recently on the draft dudes podcast, his personal quarterbacks coach. And he said, Joe, Give me all the quarterbacks over the last ten wait, years. Wait,
0: Jordan Palmer. Yes. addressed you as Joe.
1: Yeah, we, we had some really good <laughs> conversations. And after the, the the stuff that we couldn't air was probably my favorite parts. But um, <laughs> come on now, um, he said, "Hey, listen, how many quarterbacks? Like, give me a list of all of the the quarterbacks over the last ten years that were first round picks that." you think we're busts, And he said, I will tell you that the organization busted on that quarterback more than that quarterback was not capable of running their offense, right? Like you see teams draft quarterbacks just to do it. The bills did that with EJ Manuel. I mean, guys like Christian ponder our first round picks, no business being first round picks. Right. Right. There, there's such an urgency to get quarterbacks and it, there's an urgency for them to play and there's an urgency for them to play really really well. Yeah. And yeah. that's hard to do. Like not many players do that. Not many organizations are set up with a real plan to allow their quarterback to truly develop. Yeah. It wasn't the case in Buffalo. And mm-hmm. I think 2018 was rough for a number of reasons. I don't think they anticipated Josh Allen playing as early as he did, no. but he failed forward and he had the right mental makeup to use that as everything he needed to propel his career moving forward. And the Bills made good adjustments, right? Like they, they overhauled the receiving core late in that season, the best they could with Robert Foster and Isaiah McKenzie and not having Calvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes, you know, as your primary (laughs) fast catchers in the offense. They they did a lot of good things there. And so I think it's more about how the organization has set Josh Allen up Mm -hmm. and how he's thrived in that environment. And so when you compare that to other quarterbacks, I don't know that they all get this same opportunity. And, yeah, I, you yeah. know, it's it's kind of a fun thing to, to do. It's like, all right, if Josh Allen was picked by the Jets or if Josh Allen was picked by Cleveland, is he, is he what he is today? I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if I would say that for sure because it's an entire organizational effort to get these quarterbacks to play to their, you know, their highest level.
0: Yeah. A couple quick things. Uh, the Spud 1129. Joe, where did you get that Buffalo canvas on the wall behind you?
1: Amazon.com.
0: Amazon.com. There you go. And then uh, I love this from Matt, Matthew Montgomery. Is Miami feeling oh, too? Oh, boy.
1: is um, a limited football player.
0: Very. Yeah, very. He's
1: an, he's an extremely limited football player. And so I have to choose my words carefully. <laughs> His limitations have... Really restricted what that team can do offensively, and uh, you remember when the Bills drafted Sammy Watkins to fix EJ Manuel?
0: Do I remember? Yes, yes, I remember. I remember. Let me think.
1: Right, it's a, yes, it's a situation I where you pick you pick the quarterback, <laughs> you got him in your facility, you realize how limited he is, you try to salvage it in different ways, and it's not going well, and. I think there's bigger issues in Miami. I think there's a lot of – there's a lack of unity and organizational alignment on the quarterback position and how they got to this point, and I think that's playing into these dynamics.
0: Well, I'll say it. Clearly, Flores did not want to. Flores wanted Herbert. So as much as you're dancing around it, which is fine, I get it. I do not mine. I have no affiliation with anybody, so I can just say it. Um, And outside of that, you know, you're talking about a head coach that's now strapped hamstrung with a quarterback that's going to define him and possibly fire him based on the way he plays when he didn't pick his quarterback. On top of that, can we just stop with the anybody that comes from Belichick is a great co- head coach automatically? There's no good examples. Can we, can, I was just going to say that. Can you give me one it's example one. of a Belichick head coach that has succeeded in the NFL? Zero. Bagel. Zero. Andy Reid's coaching tree is far more yeah. prolific at this point than uh, because of just because of Sean McDermott than, than Belichick's. But yes, to your, to your point. So I would, I'll say it for you uh, as far as that goes, you know, I don't know what to his future is going to be. And you, you hope that the kid's going to work out. I don't hope that a Dolphins quarterback works out, but maybe he'll go someplace else and he'll work out. I lied. There is one more question that I have for you. The offensive usage of Gabriel Davis is way down just this entire season. There were people uh, picking him to have a breakout season this year, which I thought he had a breakout season in his rookie year. So what's a breakout when you have whatever it was, 760s, 800 yards? Cole was reduced very much in the Chiefs game. Game plan? Or is this offense morphing? Is it turning into something different from 10 10 and 11 personnel only spread wide? Is it turning into something else?
1: It's funny. uh, My herd mentality podcast every single Tuesday. I got questions this week. Mm-hmm. Why is Steph Diggs not more involved? Why is Zay McKinsey not more involved? Why is Gabriel Davis not building off of his, you know, really good rookie season? Yeah. Like, maybe there's nothing wrong with any of these guys, right? Cole Beasley, the same thing. I get those questions. I think it is a scheme evolution. They're running the football a lot more. Yep, right?
0: and more effective, and more and effective. more
1: effectively game script. Right, the Bills have led football games. And so they have ran the ball. I mean, we saw Mitchell Trubisky two out of five games with 10 minutes or more left in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah. that takes away from yes. those gaudy passing numbers. These aren't tight football games. Right. And so I think that plays into it a lot. And so I think there's going to be different games where different receivers are featured a bit more. And yeah. you've had a couple of games that were played in the rain already. And you're only talking about five games that you played all together. And so I think all of those things are working together. They're doing a lot more two-back stuff. You know, Reggie Gilliam's kind of a, a factor, a little bit more than I thought he would be. And so I think it comes down to skiing evolution and game script more than anything. I think yeah. all of those guys are capable playmakers.
0: And you can add this. I said this on the overreaction show on Sunday night. Uh, Charles yeah. J. says two words, Manny Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders is that guy. I said on Sunday night, I don't know if you caught my show set Sunday, and you don't have to respond to that. Um, but for those of you that did not, I said – I often watched guys like Emmanuel Sanders and wished, why can't the Bills have a guy like that? Why can't the Bills have a guy that can just beat his defender? We always had Stevie Johnson, who we all love, but Stevie was a close quarters, kind of like elusive Sammy Watkins. There was times he got behind the defender, but it wasn't consistent. He was kind of like a muddle physical receiver. And now we have two. We've got Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders. And Emmanuel Sanders is open on the outside. I don't mean on the inside in the slot with Cole Beasley. There's something about being open on the inside versus being open on the outside. And we've got two guys that are open all the time on the outside. And I think that's part of it too. Would you agree?
1: For sure. Yeah. Um, that's a big part of it. And like not to get way ahead of ourselves, but I'm already kind of nervous about replacing Emmanuel Sanders because mm. he's such an important player and they, they need that guy on the outside opposite of Diggs. And so, i hope that the bills win the super bowl and he retires but there's a there's a conversation to be had about all right who's going to replace him because it's not gabriel davis stylistically that's just not who he is as a football player
0: yeah i i don't know that if the bills win the super bowl if if this if this turns into some magical year and i don't mean a dogfight year if this turns into a man that was kind of easy and i'm not saying it's going to be easy it's never easy but you know what i'm saying number one and defensive scoring number one in offensive scoring like number one in turnover differential like the bills are just playing different than everybody else is playing right now i wonder if he comes back i wonder if he comes back and is like you know what this was this was worth it like
1: maybe was- he's kind of already said that he hopes to he be has a beach next year right giving you deuces yeah he <laughs> he's has putting his if, second ring on but
0: he has so looking forward to the titans game i want to come back to one of the topics we opened is this the game where we begin to, from a defensive line standpoint, when we look at the Titans, scheme against the Titans, matchups against the Titans? Obviously, this is the end of the revenge tour. We've beaten the Texans. We've beaten the Chiefs. This is the last one, the last marker on our schedule. Um, is this a game where we see that defensive line get opened up? Because there's, I saw criticism today on Twitter. I saw criticism tonight watching other creative content shows for the Bills where people are calling Jerry Hughes, not a fraud, but just very much like, I don't like... I think one person said he's stealing money, like mm. Jerry. Like when I don't know that that's what they're asking him to do. I don't think they're asking him to pin his ears back and like go after the quarterback. I don't think they're asking any of these guys. If you get there, great. If the quarterback hangs around too long and you get home, awesome. I'm not sure though. Even with Ryan Tannehill, that this is a game as we talked about earlier. That you know where they lost contain on Tannehill and he kind of ate their lunch last year. What do you see from this defensive line in this football game?
1: Well, they better be ready to attack a offensive line that has struggled mightily in pass protection this right. year. Tannehill's been sacked 20 times in five games. He's was sacked 24 times last year. He's being sacked that. on 10.4% of his dropbacks, Joe. I why? mean, these guys are struggling. Well, But
0: why when you've got oh, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, John well, those Smith, guys haven't been healthy. But John Smith couldn't be that much of a difference maker.
1: No, no. So you have, you've got a lot of problems here. I, I studied the Titans in depth yesterday, so I'm prepared to saying let's go so (laughs) four out of their five starters are back on the offensive line well taylor luan their left tackle he's coming off of an acl injury and he's clearly not healthy yet right he's he's probably healthy he just hasn't got himself in condition to play at the level that he's accustomed to saffold at left guard he's a stud he's fine ben jones at center he's a good player nate davis their right guard is struggling mightily 36 percent of the pressures conceded this year by this Titans offense have been because of him. And wow. so uh, he he's really struggling a young player that received all pro votes last year, and he just has not taken that next step. And then at right tackle, you know, they had a bunch of different options that they wanted to 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 win that job. And it winds up being David Quessenbury, who I think is more of a guard. And so,
0: yeah. you
1: know, he's, he, John Franklin Myers with the Jets just ate his lunch right. uh, a couple right. weeks ago. And so they've got, three spots on that offensive line that are absolutely struggling with a new offensive coordinator and Todd Downing. Mm. And you don't have Corey Davis. You don't have John who Smith, you brought in Julio Jones, but AJ Brown and Julio Jones, they've both been injured, right? They yeah. like Brown's tried to play hard. He has not been a factor this year. Julio Jones is just consistently hurt at this point in his career. <laughs> yes. And so like, you can see why all this is working the way that it is and Tannehill's not playing anywhere near to the level he did the last two years. Again, He's been sacked twenty times in five games. He was sacked twenty-four times all of last year.
0: That's crazy. That's absolutely ten point
1: four percent of his dropbacks end in a sack.
0: I did. I did. Yeah, I didn't know that stat. Um, Earth Rocker says uh, thanks for the super chat. He says every Patriots game is a revenge game. That's true for eternity. I don't. I don't disagree.
1: <laughs> I don't disagree with that.
0: I think every Dolphins game, even still, is a revenge game just because of the seventies and that whole that whole drought against the Dolphins. But um, it's funny because that team is is largely one dimensional. Right, I mean, they're they're going to run Derrick Henry. They're going to run him hard, and they've got a quarterback that's a game a, a high profile game manager. He's a high profile game manager that, that's not going to necessarily beat you. It, it, they're going to go. They're going to go all in on the run. Right, they're going to go one thousand percent and stop the run. And I think I'm confident. I'm confident now in saying after this Chiefs game. So one of the first questions I asked you, how would that win leave you? I'm confident in saying that the Buffalo Bills coaching staff is now ready to just be like, you know what? This is who we are. So beat us. Which tells me that even if they they wholly commit to stopping Derrick Henry, which we've seen them do in the past, mm-hmm. commit to stopping him. Like So they're going to sell out to the run. You're not going to beat us, Derrick. I don't care what you do. You're not going to beat us. If Tannehill scores 28 points, the Bills offense is going to put up 40 versus what we've seen in the past and I'm, they just get cute or they try to figure something out and it's like, you know, eh, let's limit possessions. Let's speed the game up. Let's not really do anything crazy in this football game. Like, I think they're at the point where it's like, it's, I'm not saying it's the greatest show on turf, but I feel like the bills are ready to just be, this is who we are. This is the hand we have. We're going to play these cards.
1: McDermott's buzz phrase this year has been, we want to be two dimensional and not, two-dimensional on offense, and we want to force other teams on offense to be one-dimensional. Right. And I think that this is a, a really good example of how that mantra can really work to your advantage. They're going to run the football with Derrick Henry. I mean, this guy has 147 carries through five games. Nobody else on that team has more than eight, and the guy wow. with eight is Ryan Tannehill, all right? I mean, <laughs> we know what this Titans team is going to do, but yeah. if you make them play left-handed, which is always the Bills' objective defensively, they want to figure out what you do best, take it away, and, and force you to play the game differently. And right. so if you, if you are aggressive offensively and you score early and you put the Titans in chase mode and they have to throw the football and they can't pass block and they're really not on the same page in terms of what they want to do throwing the football, Titans are in for a long night.
0: You say that, but in the Chiefs game, outside of Mahomes, they shut down both. They took the pass away and the run. Edwards. Well, I think that's the
1: goal. You make them one dimensional and then you stop that. Right. Right. <laughs> so, right. And so that's think- and
0: that's the difference in this defensive line. Rousseau is playing the run well. Yep. Right. Uh Boogie Bash is playing the run well. Clearly, Star. I, I said I said it. I think you I think I've said it on shows with you. I've said like from a sarcastic standpoint that if Star Latulule comes back and plays forty eight percent of the snaps and this defense returns to 2019 form or better, he has to be the greatest defensive tackle to ever have played the mm-hmm. game. And literally, we're watching it happen,
1: man. There, I, there might be a, a message to to extrapolate out of what you just said and then apply it to Tremaine Edmonds, where you know Star was a heavily criticized player.
0: Yes, by for, me for a while on right? my show.
1: <laughs> All right, so so it's like when you when you measure him against whatever Aaron Donald or what you know that's probably very extreme, but Fletcher Cox even or you know. Chris Jones, really good interior defensive lineman. He's not going to measure up very well. But right. when you think about how valuable he is to this team, right? Right. That's where you can gain an appreciation for the player that he is. Yes. And I think you can apply that to Tremaine Emmons.
0: What do you got for a uh, score prediction? Do you do score predictions? You wouldn't give me score predictions when we did our last show together. I don't yeah. remember what it was Well, cuz I, like-
1: I do them. I I save them for it's like a big thing on my on the last pod I do for Lockdown. Well, if you don't
0: want to give it, that's fine. I'll yeah. ask the I'll ask the commenters. So everybody in the, everybody yeah. in the chat right now, give me score predictions for this football game cuz we're about to wrap this thing up here in about the next 4 minutes. Can you give me a Josh Allen stat line?
1: Ooh, a Josh Allen stat line. That's fun. Um I think everyone can Judge by my tone that I think the Bills are going to win the football game. So, I don't think I'm really spoiling anything there. Yeah. Josh Allen's stat line. Ooh. Um, 24 of 32. 322 touchdowns passing, one touchdown rushing.
0: Interesting. 20 32. What two. What'd you say for yards? Did I say
1: 320? 320.
0: I don't even know what to expect. Because I watched Josh Allen do something he hasn't done as an NFL quarterback, at least against the Chiefs. Like that game was so I don't know what the word is, not bizarro, but it was just so different. Seven of what was it, seven of fourteen for two, two nineteen or two twenty nine in the first half. Like and then he it wasn't because he wasn't willing to take the underneath routes. He was taking underneath routes too. Like the 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 screenplay, the curl route they threw to Zach Moss, and Zach gained whatever it was, 21 yards on the stupid play. Like
1: the big thing for Josh in that game is that he hit those deep shots early, right? Because right. I think – and that's what was my biggest criticism of Josh in the Steelers game is that I think he missed on some of those deep shots early and he chased them the rest of the game. And so I think that's what's important for Josh is, like, if you hit him early, great, keep it rolling. But right. if you don't, don't feel like you have to make up for all of those misses every time you get an opportunity, right? Like, just take what you're supposed to take.
0: When you talk about that Titans defense, does he have to bad. take that? Does he have to take bad? That's what I'm saying. Does he have to take what he has to take? Or can he just go out there and beat them?
1: No, I think you have to. You have is to it respond. is
0: it is it literally Tom Brady versus the Buffalo Bills when uh, he put a 50 dude. burger on the bills because we had no defensive backfield?
1: Listen, the, the Titans have been reeling on defense for multiple seasons. They, they really blew it up, too, in terms of their their personnel. They, they released a bunch of starters and just brought in a bunch of new players. And so they have a ton of injuries on defense. Um, I think it's gonna to be tough for them to play together against a really dynamic, multiple type offense like Buffalo. Yeah. And so I don't, I I I I man, I respect every opponent. I really do. And there's always a script to lose. There, there is. Oh, yeah. But for for Tennessee, I'm not gonna sit there and think that Josh Allen can just show up and and score 35 points. You know what I mean? Like there's gonna be some resistance, right? They're gonna have a good plan. They're gonna to try to stop them. But I have a hard time really buying into Tennessee as the defense that's gonna really bottle them up.
0: This is a good question. Do you know this answer? What's the spread?
1: So last I checked, it was three and a half. Bills were favored.
0: At home against the Titans. Or <laughs> or in Tennessee against the so Titans. So if it was
1: in if it was in Buffalo, they'd It'd be, be favored by six, right? Six.
0: Yeah, six. Two and a half, three and a half, three, two and a half, Yep, yeah, six. I don't. I don't want to give my game prediction yet either because I do that on the uh, time to shine episode on Saturdays. But uh, Josh Allen stat line prediction. I think he's due for a. He plays well in prime time. Outside of the, the Chiefs game last year in well both Chiefs game last year like even in that he didn't play necessarily awful. I mean he had some struggle. I felt like last year in the Titans game he was the only player and it's his competitive nature that wanted to be there and and that comes back to that you know when he was when he was running chucking backwards and then threw the dart whatever whatever it was 30, 30 yards or 35 yards to uh Yeldon in the back of the end zone which was a, like that was a, a dime. like there was a pass that like Pat Mahomes is the only other quarterback right. making that throw in the Laser. NFL <laughs> like in NFL history only other guy I felt like he was the only guy that wanted to be there I think this is a game where possibly he finds himself again i don't want to say again but like literally kind of feels it I, i've got him probably in high threes 380 390 Ooh, somewhere around there you're, probably
1: you're thinking the big time numbers
0: yeah i think the bills put 50 on him. like Ooh. i don't know i don't know why i think there's a i think there's a 48 50 burger coming wow. for the tennessee titans well, i think if the
1: red zone offense shows up that i mean that's not crazy to think
0: right so but uh so probably in that 390 range somewhere around there probably three four touchdowns and uh it'll be interesting to see and I could be completely wrong. I'm never good at this kind of stuff, but, uh, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see. It's going to be, I'm excited. I love primetime games. I hate primetime games. Cause I have to do my show at one 30 in well, the morning.
1: <laughs> we just talked about how we wake up at five <laughs> right. man. You it's not a good, not a good recipe.
0: I did not go to the gym on Monday. It, I skipped, <laughs> I, I, I was still awake at, I think I was up at six 45, but I did not go to the gym on Monday. Yeah. So, but ladies, from
1: four to nine. <laughs>
0: <On Monday. laughs> yeah you had to do your show too right that's right because you do all your edits and stuff like that whereas yep. once mine's done i can just download it and then just load it up so it's totally different but uh another plus one for doing it live but uh ladies and gentlemen you have been tuned into the uh i almost said overreaction the hump day hotline on the buffalo rumblings multicast network brought to you by the market dominator my name is Joe Miller. I'm the host of the Humpty Hotline. Uh, I'm here with my special guest, Joe Marino. One more time, Joe, tell everybody where they you are the go-to for Bills Mafia. So mm-hmm. tell everybody that might not know you, which I can't believe there's anybody, but tell them where to find your stuff because I'm sure they're going to be
1: interested. At the Joe Marino on Twitter, locked on Bills is the podcast.
0: Awesome, and uh, you are the man. This is I just love talking to you. Like this is just fun for me. <laughs>
1: fun for me too man Wait, I didn't I um I prioritized family and spending time with my wife when I was up in Buffalo a couple of weeks ago but you were the guy man we had we had a great lunch together and, and it was fun the wife and, and my brother David enjoyed uh spending time with you as well yeah he
0: was an awesome dude that was exciting we'll talk about that off the air probably but uh but yeah it was cool to meet your wife It was cool to meet your, your brother and yeah that was a that was a fun day so just appreciate you being willing to, to jump in and uh and spend a little time away from your families, filling in for Spence and uh, for everybody paying attention, or I should say, in the comment section. Thank you guys for for jumping in and staying with us live. Uh, good show tonight, and uh, yeah, Buffalo Bills march into Tennessee, end of the revenge tour, and we'll kind of see where this thing takes us. But for Joe Miller, for Joe Marino, go Bills,
1: go Bills. Um.